You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. In today's episode, Candace and Cher start a new topic in their cultivation series about what it means to be self-compassionate. In early childhood, self-compassion either develops or it doesn't. Listen in as Candace and Cher discuss their journeys of moving away from self-contempt and into a posture of self-compassion that seeks to heal. Hey everyone, it's Sharon Candace with Processing Trauma Out Loud, and we're back today to continue our cultivation series. Cher, we have had so much fun in this series. I will say it's not only a series that felt fun to me, but I just go back and I, I feel like I'm just aware of how much I'm still learning and growing in my own journey. Yeah, me too. It's been good. And I these conversations have been so meaningful. Mm -hmm. We've had some really fun feedback with some of these episodes that we're hearing from people. I think you sent me one the other day that someone was talking about, it's giving them language to help them understand their own journey. Yeah. And someone who told me that they are, they, they listen to every, they, they have a friend who listened to every single episode so they could understand someone in their life who was going through some trauma. That is so meaningful. Just love that so much. Well, what I love about that is we know not everybody has develop, childhood developmental trauma. We know that everybody has had trauma in some way, but there is a little bit of a difference in having developmental trauma that is, you know, sometimes we think of not only what's happened, but sometimes it's actually found in what didn't happen that needed to happen. Yeah. And I love that somebody is listening to this to help them understand somebody that has had developmental trauma. That feels really encouraging to me. What if art could help bring healing to the wounds from your complex childhood trauma? And what if healing could release and free your artistic expression? Click the link below to learn more about my new course called Art and Healing Beginning Watercolors. So today we're starting a new series on what does it mean to cultivate the trait of having self-compassion? I feel like we're doing a little bit of a full circle. We, we actually talk about self-compassion quite a bit, but especially in the beginning when we launched this podcast, goodness, over a year ago, we really wanted to start out with the power of kindness, not just receiving kindness from others, but actually having a posture of self-compassion and kindness towards your own self. And so we're going to share a little bit about our own experiences with our relationship with self-compassion and hopefully just give our listeners some stories or some things about self-compassion that will help them be curious about their own relationship with self-compassion. Yeah, it's, it's just interesting as we have talked always, but particularly this morning as we're moving toward this topic that how much of our lives we, I will say for myself, how much of my life I lived with the opposite of self-compassion, which, and I kind of made a list of some of the things that I lived with my whole life, like self-contempt and self-disgust and belittlement and the, just the 
huge, huge struggle with comparison and criticism and all of the the things that led me toward needing to live in a state of coping and numbness because I had such strong feelings about who I was and it did not include self-compassion. And as we were processing this morning, we started talking about how do we become self-compassionate? And I will just say that it develops in childhood. So children do two things growing up and in in their their primary environment they internalize the messages that they're receiving and then in some way they they will model it at some point and so when i think of your stories i know your stories very well it makes a lot of sense to me share that you struggled so deeply with the opposite of self-compassion. And we talked through it a little bit and I'm I'm wondering how comfortable do you feel with sharing what that was like for you when you realize you really didn't have a foundation or a springboard, if you will, to grow up having self-compassion. I feel very willing to talk about it. I, I grew up in a home where there was tremendous abuse. I think I was experiencing probably sexual abuse pre-verbal. I know that there are stories that other family members have told me of myself being abused that I really don't even remember. So I know that that goes way back to there. And I know that I grew up in a context where there wasn't tenderness or gentleness or expressions of love and care. It was a pretty harsh environment. And and, and I felt that. That's what I felt. I'll say for, for me as a child growing up in that home, my perception is that it was a very harsh, cold, physically cold and emotionally cold environment. And I longed for the opposite. As far back as I can remember, I longed for tenderness and gentleness and kindness and would would seek it out, whether that was from anyone who was around me that smelled of being kind. I, I was leaning in. Or as even you and I talked and you pointed out, even turning toward nature for the gentle breeze that that would caress my face or leaning into the the trunk of a tree you know, and just wrapping my arms around and holding on. And so, so finding, you know, ways that I could experience it even apart from humanity. But yeah, I think for me, I, I always had the awareness that I think as I, I could say as far back as probably junior high, uh, when I'm like 13, 14 years old, I had this sense that I was going through life mostly feeling like I was five years old or seven years old. And whenever I was in groups with groups of people, I kind of stood a little bit to the edge always and felt like I don't belong. Mm -hmm. Everybody else seems to know what they're doing and seems to know what to do and how to act, but I don't know. I feel like I'm five years old. And I remember when I first started therapy, which was a lot of years ago now, and I was probably in my 40s, I think, um, around maybe 40 years old. And 
having conversations about that awareness. And my therapist actually, I remember many conversations where she would ask, well, how do you feel toward that little girl? And I always had such self-contempt and I would say, oh, I hate her. I mean, I literally had a sense of hatred toward this little girl who was in so much pain and had so much deep longing and felt such loneliness. And I hated her because those were the feelings that I had to cope with every day that I had to try to numb so that I could survive in, in, in the world. Yeah, uh, share. I know your stories and I still just feel the weight of that. It's coming up fresh in me and and I'm going to breathe for a minute because um, my easiest emotion to go to when I hear of injustice is anger. Yeah. I'm just going to breathe. She bore hatred towards her, towards her body, towards her heart, towards her mind. She had no other option but to believe she was worthy of being hated. Yeah. And yet, she also had her God image part that knew mm-hmm. at some level there was something out there yeah. that could bring her a sense of beauty, of goodness, of kindness. One of my favorite stories that you share is one way that you defined what you thought love looked like. Out, outside of not experiencing that in your home, can you can you share what happened with you one day? Yeah. When you like, oh, I think that's love. I, I was kind of experimenting with, you know, how can I put my feelings into pictures? And so just drawing these really simple stick figure type pictures as I would think about certain concepts. So like joy, what what would pop into my mind when I thought about joy or fear or and I and so then I I wrote down the word love and I sat for a second. And immediately the picture that popped into my mind, into my awareness was a herd of cows all gathered close together on a warm summer day in the shade of a big old tree. Mm-hmm. And I grew up, we, we raised beef cattle and I can picture that tree in the middle of the pasture where they would go on the warm summer days, but something about me and yeah, I just feel really emotional just even talking about this, but as a little child, I can just picture myself standing there on the edge of the pasture, looking at those cows gathered together and having some sense of awareness that they loved each other. They wanted to be close and something in my heart connected that with love so that, you know, many decades later, when I wrote down the word love, that was the picture that came to my mind. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. That experience that you had in nature with cows kept hope alive, but keeping hope alive felt painful for you for the, for, for decades. Yeah. So painful Mm -hmm. to, to have the longing and the desire for something that I, I felt certain was there and I had hope for, but I just couldn't seem to ever really wrap my arms around it. And it is not that I never had anyone in my life that loved me because now I can look back and I can see that there were some really, really good people 
particularly around the age of junior high, that stepped into my life in big ways and really offered me such goodness. I knew it and I recognized it even at the time, but I couldn't, it's like it didn't really sink in. And I I described myself for the years, like my heart is full of holes. No matter how much gets poured in, I can't hold it. And it just drains out so fast that even at the end of the day, as I reflect upon the goodness that was offered me, it was like I couldn't quite get back to the goodness of what that felt like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so painful. And I, I can relate to what you're saying right now. And, and the word holes is sticking out to me. Those holes are the gaps that we did not receive in childhood that would have given us the foundation to believe that we are loved, that we are worthy of love, to experience compassion when we make mistakes or we're struggling. And so those holes if they're not filled, and I, I'm going to say not just filled one time, yeah. or not that those encounters that you had in junior high didn't matter because they did. Yeah. In a sense, it was grace that was saying, keep going here, keep moving forward. I have something for you. But yet, because it gave you hope, but it, it also, the pain was still there. And so I'm wondering. What was it like for you when those holes started slowly and consistently being filled over time and they weren't going away, that the source of what was coming in to fill didn't go away? Yeah, yeah. And I'll just say it was a lot of years there. We'll be coming back to this, but story work was was the key for me when I could go back and and have my stories met with a with different eyes with different arms that that held me and embraced me and and helped me recognize the trauma the severe trauma of what i experienced and so then when i started to be able to believe that the things that i had always believed were not true and when i started to see other people offer me or I will say, offer that little girl the love and the care that she or I always needed and always longed for. That is when I started to be able to feel it at a very deep level, like, I think this feels like love. Mm-hmm. And and I and I've said that many times. I even said it this past week. I said something like I was pointing out the the care that someone had offered me and I said this feels a lot like love to me. And so yeah, just I think f- through story work and through IFS work particularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think and you asked me how does it feel? I think I felt my whole life d- a deep deep sense of emptiness and loneliness. Mm-hmm. And now I feel a very real felt sense mm-hmm. of belonging and acceptance and that I'm not alone, that I, that I have withness. I have people who are with me. Yeah. So just very, very. Yeah. I want to just say you're an inspiration and, and for many reasons, but I'm going to point this reason out right now. And we will come to a close, but we're going to come back to this. I read something this morning that simply said, somebody needs to hear it's not too late. 
Yeah. And your journey and your story will give so many people hope. It doesn't matter if you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. It is not 80. It is, it is not too late. And so that's why we do love when we see young people popping up in their 20s and 30s, and they're doing this authentic journey of healing. We wish we could have had that. It's just not too late. And no matter how old you are. So thank you for being vulnerable today and just sharing a little bit of what your relationship with self-compassion is. We'll come back next week and further the conversation on cultivating the trait of self-compassion. So we hope that you find this, like I said in the beginning, just a conversation that can help you be curious about your relationship with self-compassion. Yeah. So good to be with you, Candice. Good to be with you too, friend. Love you. Love you too. Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. One last thing. If you have found this podcast helpful in any way, or if you have questions on how to take the next steps on your healing journey, please reach out to us via email at CandiceShare at gmail.com. That's K-A-N-D-A-C-E-S-H-E-R at gmail.com. Our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Auditory LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.